0: vm You're listening to TFG Football.
1: Welcome everyone. This is the TFG Indian Football Podcast. My name is Kevin and you can hear me excited. The reason is... Uh, we have, you know, we're talking about the Monday blues and uh, right now it's always, it is it is Monday morning as we're recording and the blues as we talk about, it's another, another shade of blue that we'll be getting into the podcast. I'm talking about the Indian national team and uh, we have an esteemed guest with us. Furman D'Souza is with us on the IVM podcast and this is a great way to start this week. Furman is, uh, as we know, know has, has a successful under-15 uh, under, under 15 championship in the in the SAF Cup that we had. Uh, so he is the head coach of the under-15 girls team, the women's team. And he will be talking to us uh, as along with Chiranjit, who's joining us on a phone call. Coach Furman, great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. All right. Uh, and and uh, that's how we get along uh, as we just mentioned uh, the under 15 women's team of the national side uh, took on uh, uh, one of the you know uh, good countries that we could almost uh uh, go head to head with, and uh, we did get successful over there. Uh, the the SAF Cup is is home, and uh, a successful uh, campaign to begin with uh, for you, coach. Uh, how was that? You know, uh, we heard uh, good stories about the team bonding, and uh, could you like uh, would you like to share uh, what all uh, went through the camp uh, successfully and uh, taking it forward to the under 16 championship?
2: Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, basically, first. Uh when I was appointed, uh, I came to know about the team that I would have in the coaching staff and I was I was really glad to have a legend like Bem, Bem Devi as my assistant coach. I, I too am a fan of her, so it was a real privilege to have her. I had also been with uh, Kadir sir in Goa for the goalkeeping level 2 uh, course. We were there on it together. So we were pretty comfortable with each other, so I was glad on... That appointment as well, and uh, once we started working, I was I was even more happier with the kind of quality M Devi and Kadir sir bought It it really seemed like it was a world class team in sense of coaching. Uh, going ahead from there, we did uh, we did have a very short time to do selections and uh, after that uh, go to the SAF Cup. So we had we had to face a team like Bangladesh, which we were aware of which did a seven-month camp in Japan before coming for the SAF Cup. And they had won a four-nations tournament before that and also qualified for the AFC Under-16 Championships last time. So we knew we had an uphill task and we had to face it and deal with it within 15 days. For that, uh, we selected the team and tried our best, but I will give all the credit to the girls because... I basically could have time to only do four tactical sessions and about four conditioning sessions. And I have worked in UK and with under 18 boys out there. And there it used to generally happen that in one tactical session, they would pick up, absorb everything that was being taught. But when I came back to India, I found it really difficult because most of the time I had to repeat a tactical session About 7 to sometimes even 10 times for kids to absorb what I'm trying to get to them. But these girls were amazing. They actually, every session that I taught them, they picked up everything. I was amazed. I was shocked. And so was everyone in the coaching staff that these girls could really... And going ahead also, they could really do well for themselves and, and we, it
1: was uh, critical as well you know the short time span that we had in uh, yeah. you know, heading into this uh, cup you know uh, if, if uh, the sessions wouldn't be you know absorbed quickly enough yeah. uh, it it would it would mean uh, you know tactical wise you know we're not heading into the best shape then
2: yeah so if uh, whoever has followed the games if you'll see the team shape how it has kept improving every game how they have been you know if, how, actually we have dominated every game that we played if you The eight games that we have played in both SAF Cup and the AFC Championships uh, qualifiers, round one, we dominated every game that we played. The possession has always been, in our favour, more than 50% in every match. And for that kind of confidence, for girls who do not play football at all because they don't have enough of competitive matches, is amazing. It is amazing.
1: And uh, Chiranjit, I'd like to bring you over here. You know, we we've seen uh, the under-15 team and uh, do so well. Uh, the confidence was so high, and uh, heading into this uh, uh, championship, uh, the under-16 AFC Championship that we uh, you know we followed up by the win. Uh, the confidence was high. You know and we, somewhere we fell short. Now, we just like to touch upon the you know, the the group that we were set up in. You know, just uh, you know, you you did you know, follow up uh, on this campaign of us. So you did follow up on this campaign uh, what do you thought about uh, you know the the confidence that we came into the, the AFC qualifiers
3: yeah we were paired up with uh, pakistan of course that's always fun uh, we, had, we had mongolia the host country uh, of the qualifiers uh, of, of that group uh, we had hong kong uh, we had laos uh, and uh, we almost need it, you know. And uh, I would like to really hear in detail uh, from uh, the coach about how uh, it went down. But first, actually, I want—I was curious about, uh, coach, when you came into the uh, into the position and uh, you were going through the trials. How difficult is it to, uh, you know, get a get an initial read on uh, the players that you have to pick from? Uh, when when you're comparing them to uh, the boys uh, or the men's team uh, that are out there, because you just look at the list, they uh, only only one player has a club. Like uh, Anjali is with FC Pune City. The rest all were picked from the junior nationals, uh, from uh, what I can glean. And uh, I'm I'm pretty sure you came in with almost zero video clips, uh, zero data on uh, on how, what each of them. Uh, specialize in and how do you deal with that situation because you're basically walking into a blank slate and you have to pick up all the information on the go and just do it faster than is it's fair to ask you to do so how how do you deal with that situation
2: uh, well I was a bit fortunate because uh, I was the Maharashtra coach for the under 15 girls and yeah. I was there for the junior nationals and like I always do, I do my homework on all the teams because you never yeah. know which team you face. And because of that, I had my notes on almost every player that played in the tournament. And I was able to, you know, uh, accordingly call for those 35 players as per what I had seen. So that mm. was that was something that worked in my favor. I was very fortunate to be there at the sub-junior nationals as the Maharashtra team coach. And... Uh, that really that really was a good thing so i got to see what i really wanted which girls i wanted and uh, mm. aiff also completely supported me in that they allowed me to call the girls which i wanted and yeah. from that 35 as per we did some practice matches uh, we would like to even thank the odisha football association where they arranged for good competitive practice matches versus their women's under-19 team, which uh, gave me a good uh, view of all the girls, how they play and how they play against stronger opponents, which allowed me to select a decent team. Uh, Skill-wise, yes, uh, I wasn't uh, too happy initially, but I can't blame any of the girls because they don't play enough football to have that much skill or don't get proper coaching to have that skill.
1: Yeah, uh, coach, I would let's just like to bring you back to the point, you know, when uh, at the start of the SAF Championship, you mentioned the team was full of confidence and you made a statement that uh, we are here to win. You now, that really, you no, know, shows the confidence that, uh, you know, you had in the team, the belief that you had in the team and really that panned out the same way that you anticipated the tournament to be. Uh,
2: yeah, as I said that uh, the team, the team, the girls were amazing, not only on the field, even off the field. Uh Every instruction given to them, you know, they, they are small kids after all, uh, like a small thing like not to have chocolates, not to have junk food. And I'm telling you, even till three months that I was with them, they were offered junk food and they refused it. We, we told that today's off day you can cheat. They they refused it. They said, no, sir, you have taught us to sacrifice and we realize what it has bought us and they were so disciplined. I was really proud of them. These, and i'm saying that is why a lot of credit goes to these girls they they have changed their lifestyles they have sacrificed so much been away from home for 3 months and never never did they let me also feel that i was away from home i felt like family with them and that the team bonding that was there i would i would have sometimes discussions with them i would ask them do you have problems they would only talk about you know certain problems At home, like uh, we don't get enough time to go and play or something like that. But uh, when I say, no, no, I'm talking about problems out here. They would say this, this is paradise. (laughs) They would say we enjoy it out here. And I'm telling you, there were girls, we paired the girls uh, from different states together for communication. And I'm telling you, I I didn't know how it would work because someone who speaks a different language... Two players who speak different languages There's no way they could have communicated But they were communicating, sharing jokes It was non-verbal communication And they were able to understand each other Absolutely well Which was shocking again <laughs> So, yeah When we when we said we went there to win The team was, it was a team It was never individuals It was a team, we were ready for every challenge That would come our way And it was not just ready We were looking at what problems we could have and the possible solutions for it and I'm telling you most of the solutions would come from the girls itself
1: fantastic yeah all right you know, just uh, you know all this while uh, we've we've heard you you know get uh bonded with the girls and likewise uh we'd like to hear your story as well, you know how you got into football you know in a way you know was this uh, your your dream to follow what you had thought about, or is this something that came along
2: yeah, so I started playing football pretty late when I was about uh, close to 16 years and I started coaching at almost the same time. Yeah, I I did pretty well compared to a lot of my classmates in school uh, where, you know, they were playing for so many years and I just started playing and then I went on to play for a couple of good teams in Mumbai. But uh, while playing for good teams, I also realized that most of the teams don't have a coach. It's the captain who takes the session and the session is moreover fitness, fitness, fitness. And in the end of the day, we play a game for 20 minutes and you're trying to score in a goal that is one yard or two yards big. When in the match situation, we never do that. So I soon realized that this this is nothing realistic, that we are there's any kind of realistic coaching and I'll have to move into coaching and administration if football needs to improve. And from the time I started playing... My dream was the World Cup and it will always be, It can uh, that dream will be fulfilled someday and I hope I can contribute enough for that dream to be fulfilled. That is my ambition in life basically to create or help create some systems which will let the talent come up and someday we are able to qualify for the World Cup and do well in the World Cup
1: yeah generally so, we're talking about uh, you know uh, getting into coaching and uh, as the you know, time has progressed we've seen a lot of coaches coming up uh, you know we're lucky to have a uh, coach Furman here and uh, uh, you know just to throw light upon you know how uh, uh, young coaches have come up and, and this is a great boost for in you know, india as well having young coaches at 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 the helm and you know reaching at uh, heights that we've not seen uh, this happen earlier
3: you are in that list, Kevin, uh, of the uh, in the up- upcoming coaches, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's great to see the new generation of uh, coaches who have come up. Because look, we we grew up looking at uh, the you know big coaches of the Maidan like Subhash Bomek, uh, you know Bablu Bhattacharya, uh, P K Banerjee. Those are the guys who uh, you know uh, who who were very experienced as theirs, uh, who uh, knew the game technically very well. Uh, and uh, they sort of ruled the team by personality. So we sort of got used to that whole very tough teacher, you know, like uh, the, the kind of teachers we see stereotyped in all kind of movies and stuff like that. Uh, those were the coaches who were very tough and uh, used to uh, shout at players and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, they had a big... Sort of aversion towards you know getting qualified uh, by coaching licenses or you know studying about it. They were like they have a lot of experience. They're gonna go with that, and we did have some success uh, with that. But the new generation is uh, you know they take care of the whole uh, licensing system. They get qualified. They study the game uh, in a very different way than the older generation, and you see these uh, partnerships forming you know in different clubs. Like in ISL, you see uh, a lot of uh, the Indian coaches, uh, you know, serving as assistant coaches uh, in in the different clubs for years and gaining that experience. In I League, you have uh, similar kind of partnerships. Like uh, Sanjay Singh, Shankar Lal Chakrabarti at Mohan Bagan and they work together for three four years, and it becomes a partnership, a symbiosis in a way that helps the team grow and helps the coaches grow as well. And uh, and we're seeing now spilling, uh, you know, all that spilling into the uh, national team as well. Uh, I mean, uh, you heard the rumors that, uh, you know, Albert Roca might become the national team head coach next, and uh, Derek Pereira might be assistant coach with a view of uh, taking over later, long term. Uh, is, is it similar, you know, the, the kind of... A partnership that you have coached with uh, you know going forward is there a, a long term plan behind uh, the, those appointments
2: uh, well I certainly think they have a long term plan uh, It's uh, I, I have not been uh, uh, there long enough to know what exactly has been planned but I am sure that uh, AIFF is well organized and they are looking ahead and you can see that in the results as well that uh, we are looking yeah. at the future. We are developing the future, and uh, I'm sure AIFF has some long-term plans planned for
1: her. Yeah, coach. You've also done you know, a lot of uh, touring for your coaching. You know, uh, gaining uh, technical knowledge. Uh, you know, just the way by you know modern football has evolved. So you know, just take us through you know how you uh, you know enriched yourself with technical knowledge.
2: Yeah. So what happened is uh, in about 2003, 2004, while I was playing, I realized that. I got to move totally into coaching and administration. So I did some research. I found out where were the best licenses in the world and uh, which organizations were uh, doing very well when it came to teaching of those licenses. And uh, through that research, I found Bolton Wanderers in uh, UK who at that point of time were a Premier League team. And I applied with them and I sent my experience, everything and all. And they said, yeah, you could, you could come down there. However, I didn't need to take care of my finances. And since I didn't come from a well-to-do family, I had to collect all of the money that was required. And I did about three jobs a day, uh, worked in a call center, did two coaching jobs and uh, played as well. So hardly slept, maybe an hour or two a day. That was what my schedule was. Collected that money, went to UK, did my... Uh, courses there and uh, while I was doing the courses they were pretty impressed with my work and they also offered me to work with them so I gained a lot of experience working there which was very very important and uh, uh, that's how it worked over there and then now when I came down uh, recently I was uh, allowed to change my license to AFC and I was uh, told to do the AFCB license which I did and uh, on our course, two of us passed the AFCB license from 19, and uh, the next step that came was the head coach of the Indian national team, which was which was a great privilege for me, and uh, I'm I'm happy I could do so uh, such a lot of good work with that team, and I'm also sorry to every Indian for letting them down by not qualifying. For the final round of the AFC Under 16
1: Women's Championship. Yeah, but uh, no, I think. So, I don't
3: uh, think you have anything <laughs> to be sorry about. That team went out and played their hearts out. The conditions, the format, nothing was uh, favourable, you know, to us. And uh, it, it, this, I think, the team was the best in the group. And uh, it's just unfortunate that we didn't make it. You mm-hmm. have nothing to be sorry about.
2: Thank you, thank you, Jason.
1: Yeah, and you know, on, on, on that note, I think uh, we really, you know, have to uh, learn back, uh, you know, take a step back and understand, you know, what uh, better we could have, uh, you know, got from from the short training time. Probably, you know, those lessons uh, will uh, stay with us, and uh, heading into the next uh, campaign, uh, that we can uh, do much better than uh, at least, uh, 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 in the short period that we could achieve. And on that note, we will be heading into a break, and on the other side, we'll be talking more about women's football, uh, how the scene is the scenario is in India and uh, the competitive matches that they go through uh, and a lot more on the other side. Come back to us.
0: So it's been another great week on IVM Podcast just like it is every week. You know, if you aren't following us on social media, you should. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Send us a message. Send us a comment. You know, let us know what you think about the stuff that we're doing and the stuff that you're listening to. This week on Cyrus Says, Cyrus is joined by writer Rishali Talam. She speaks about jumping from TV to books and her memories of producing MTV Loveline. On the scene and the unseen, Amit is joined by founder-editor of The Wire, Siddharth Bhatia, and senior editor of the Hindu, Peter Griffin. They discuss the current state of Indian media and the role of journalists today. This week, Indranil Guha, co-founder of Finpeg, talks to Anupam on Pesa Vesa about alpha SIPs. Last week on Noyar Kanun, lawyer and host Ambarana took us through the history and scope of Section 497 and the time when adultery was first recognized as an offense. On the Kinetic Living Podcast, Urmi spoke to IBM's co-founder Kavita Rajwade about her love for functional training, food, and the morning workout routine that she strictly follows. And again, guys, I just really want to remind you, you know, I mean like the best way to spread the word about podcasting is you. You're our ambassadors. Please go out and tell a friend. Ask them to listen to something that you have enjoyed and that you think that they would enjoy as well. And with that, let's move on with the show.
1: All right. Welcome back after the break, and uh, here we are continuing to talk about uh, women's football. Uh, the the under fifteen head coach of the national side is here with uh, talking to us, uh, Furman. And uh, we talked about uh, the campaign that you know, was successful for for the girls. I uh, should, should say women. And uh, uh, we we will uh, get get more to that. Uh, Chiranjit, uh, you know the the final uh, of the SAF Championship was something that you know. Uh, turned out to be an exciting you no know, uh, lesson for us and I know that was, it was the a booster trial by fire wasn't it <laughs> you know we can even like uh, glean that uh, a lot of the
3: players have potential uh, even the coach uh, had a lot of confidence going in there but it was always set up as an India versus Bangladesh uh, final we scored like 13 goals in the group stage uh, they scored 17 and these were the giants in the tournament. And facing Bangladesh was the first big test that the team had to go through. So, coach, just going into that game, what was the uh, you know thought process like, and how did you prepare the girls to uh, you know take on that challenge?
2: Uh, well, we were very, very much aware that Bangladesh were way superior on skill, and. Uh, they did dominate each and every game with a possession of close to 90%. Mm. You
1: know,
2: which is, which is uh, in football, absolutely shocking. So, with that kind of prowess that they had, we knew that uh, you know we are facing a very good team and, in a sense, superior in skill. But, however, we had sorted our uh, strategy and we knew that on strategy we could certainly beat them. And... The the girls followed everything to the T We did uh, train uh, A day before A day before the final match Uh, It was about Generally you don't train before the final match For that duration For one and a half hour we had an intense training session So that our strategy was You know up to the mark And we could make sure that We can beat them And Bangladesh did take rest one day before the finals So they... And they were pretty confident that uh, they would even trash us, kind of. But uh, they didn't expect what we came up with. And again, as I say, it's credit to the girls. Because a coach can do everything in training. But the execution is to the players. And the players did execute everything that we had thought of. Everything, uh, you know, there were so many things that I showed them on the board, not on the field. So many things that we did on the field. And they were able to absorb in like... 10 minutes, so many uh, so many things there to learn and because they were learning it so quickly, we were able to, you know, match them man to man and dominate the game. If uh, I don't know how many people did watch, or at least on my Kuju, it did show that about 24,000 people were watching and uh, uh, if they have, they, they have seen, we totally dominated the game. Bangladesh did come in strong towards the end. But uh, on a whole, for anyone who viewed the match, uh, it was amazing to see how India dominated a team that was uh, very good. As of right now, even Bangladesh easily qualified for the AFC Under-16 Championship second round. Mm. So, we we knew what we were up against and we did work very well as a team, as a unit. And with our strategy, we did beat them. Yeah, uh, you
3: know, going back into the game, watching it, uh, you know, uh, there was a, uh, I think Avika's free kick hit the post uh, like 2-3 minutes into the game. Then within the first 10 minutes, you had a couple of more chances. Uh, but, uh, you know, they were missed. And it just, you know, just, just as, a, as a fan, this is where the panic sets in. Like, if you, uh, it's a superstition, if you hit the bar, you know, uh, then the rest of the game is going badly for you. Or if you're missing a couple of chances and you know the opponent team is, uh, you know, capable enough that If you, uh, you know, let go of a good chance They're going to make you pay for it How do you uh, handle the situation there? Like, did you let the players Sort of carry themselves Or were you very involved uh, You know, from the sidelines? The telecast didn't sort of show all that much uh, So so how how did you go through the game From the sidelines?
2: Well, from the sidelines I am generally just... Uh... You know, giving them few few words of instructions when they seem to be losing concentration, just telling them focus, concentrate, you know, so that, so that their concentration is there because they know what they have to do. They know exactly what they have to do. All I need to tell them is to stay focused, you know, don't get distracted because of crowd, because of a free kick, because of the referee, because of the opponent saying something. Because these are things that sometimes can distract and one lapse of concentration ca- could result in a loss. And that's that's what I to- used to keep telling them. Uh, besides that, uh, you know, the uh, the coaching staff, Bem Bem, Bem Ma'am, then uh, Kadir Sir, they, they as well from outside would keep on encouraging the kids, you know, ki- their, loud, uh, their loud voice would keep on motivating them, so yeah it was just more of uh, encouragement and motivation from the sidelines and telling them to be focused and concentrate rather than anything tactical or any uh, information on how what skill to use where because these girls knew what to do mm. yeah
3: mm, and then that uh, to the uh, asian championship uh, qualifiers and uh, things things started so well for us like uh, we beat hong kong 6-1 uh, pakistan we beat beat uh, you know uh, 4 nil, and uh, then we faced against uh, you know, we faced Mongolia and that was our first loss I think uh, of all the major games that this team has played that was the first defeat and uh, you know I think that's the only defeat so far uh, what went wrong in that game and uh, you know what what do you think you could have uh, you could have done better in ret- retrospect about it.
2: Well, the Mongolia game was very difficult for our players to keep up with the Mongolian players just because when we played, it was minus 2 degrees. And yeah. so for them, it was very easy, very easy to, you know, run about because they were they are accustomed to those conditions. So uh, that's, that's where they... That was the only edge. We did dominate that game as well. It's not that we didn't dominate. We had a lot of chances. And... Uh, yeah, we need we needed to finish much better, more uh, proper decisions in front of goal and proper techniques in front of goal could have shown an absolutely different result. And like uh, in, you were speaking also about us uh, hitting the crossbar. Uh, let me tell you, in all the eight games, we have hit the crossbar at least twice in all the eight games. Yeah. So. Uh, so, that that was always a part of the game that uh, we had to... Uh, like, uh, we, we we used to say on the bench that we had to put Tilak on the crossbar. <laughs> so, we had to do that every game. Uh, however, uh, we should have scored. And I think we, uh, we have to work on, uh, you know, finishing better in front of goal. Because that was the problem in the last two games that we created a lot of scoring opportunities... But uh, it was not in the back of the net.
3: Yeah, and we went into the last game against Laos. Uh, and we needed a win to go through. And uh, early on, we got that goal, I think, uh, some 20 minutes in. And the whole game, I was watching with, with my mouth. again, like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. We're actually going to go into the Asian Championship. And uh, later, that equalizer came, and that, that took that chance away from us. Uh, it just it just seems like you know you talked about how Bangladesh were coming back to the game towards the end of the sub championship final uh, against Mongolia. Uh, we conceded a late goal, and the same thing happened against uh, Laos. That uh, we let in a goal. Uh, that that sort of came up. You know that, that defined how our campaign went. So is, is that is that been an issue you was know, like? We seem to sort of fade out towards the end of
2: the game. Uh, yes, it was a slight issue because uh, the players, the players certainly in a very short duration, did not get enough of time for conditioning to you know match up standards of uh, ninety minutes of football. So yes, towards towards the end, you could see tired legs, you could see laps in concentration, and we certainly will work on these things and make sure that you know it doesn't happen in the future and yes time is of value if there is little more time for the girls to work on all these things it would certainly help
1: yes uh, so talking further on uh, women's football i think uh, we'd like to hear from you coach you know uh, you've been part of the girls team coaching them uh, watching them closely Scouting to you know quite an extent, uh, you know where you could uh, you could relate, you could even take it forward. The connection was there, you know, uh, to get to the national side, the the, or the best of girls that you wanted. But generally, what what is the scenario, you know, uh, with respect to girls? Uh, is it uh, you know it's easy to find girls who are of great quality and not being you know uh, held up from from the uh, at least you know by the clubs? We, we've we've seen uh, there's a lack of competitive matches that these girls play, and you know, what generally is your feeling about you know how how women's football is in India
2: well it is developing but until now uh, the scenario for these girls was they weren't playing anywhere at all throughout the year the maximum of competitive matches that they would play in a year would be about five to six so
1: that's way way below the ideal level that we'd want
2: yeah FIFA generally says 35 to 45 matches is minimum what a kid requires you know to develop so yeah, these kids playing a maximum of five to six matches. That is only if they get selected for their state team. And uh, that, that situation has to change. That situation has to change. And now with the introduction of the IWL under 15, IWL under 18, it looks likely that these situations are going to change. And uh, we hope that they get a lot of matches because that is what competitive matches in the end of the day with... Good training is very important So there has to be a balance of both And It looks The way looks good uh, The future looks good Because AIFF has now uh, Introduced the IWL under 15 And under 18 Mm -hmm. And hopefully They give them a lot of matches as well Yeah
3: Of course Just talking about the IWL uh, uh, It's So far what we've seen is that It's a short burst tournament And uh, It's held in one venue which does not really prepare, uh, you know, the, the players for the for the life as a professional footballer. You know, it's like the, the touring, the playing in different conditions, in front of different uh, uh, crowds, uh, in different pitches. Uh, it's it just it's just that life that prepares you for the hardship that's ab- about to come for years. And the under 15, under 18 is also, you know as as of now it looks like it's going to be a very similar situation you know uh, just go out there and play for uh, two three weeks so uh, do you think this is uh, this is enough and uh, like how how does one expand from from here i mean uh, three weeks four weeks it, it's not a league right i mean it's not a league league and uh, and, and just going by uh, the, the amount of matches uh, the teams have got uh, even in, being in the national camp is, you know, it's it's not most of the year, right? I mean, uh, they don't have the consistency of playing all the time uh, that uh, the professional players have to go through. You know, they you know, they're not living in the game per se in that way. So, what what can be done to add, to address those gaps or the long periods where they don't play competitive matches?
2: Well. As as we said, it's not enough, but it's a start. All right, first the the league starting is a start. Uh, it will keep developing every year. That's what is going to happen. But uh, besides that, I think it is up to everyone in football, you know, to start taking initiative. This is this is something we only keep uh, criticizing. Administration is not proper. Coaches are not proper. All these these uh, uh, complaints that we keep making is is a good thing. But, you know, when there is a problem, you just, you just w- shouldn't say that there is a problem. The next step is find the solution to the problem. So when we say that this is a problem that uh, we are facing in our district, the district association should approach the state association and say that we want to develop coaches, we want to have a league that runs for a longer duration, we want to uh, develop grassroots, and then in turn, the state association should... Uh, talk to AIFF and look at what can be done in this district. And I'm I'm pretty sure AIFF uh, along with the state associations are very cooperative in that manner to come and help out wherever anyone wants to take the initiative. But taking the initiative is up to everyone. It is even me... Yeah. It is everyone in football. Do you, a parent also needs to take a, uh, a lot of initiative because uh, parents don't know anything. They will just put their kid to play in a five-a-side AstroTurf uh, in an academy and that kid is never developing because he's playing five-a-side all his life and he wants to play for the Indian team. So mm-hmm. parents need to do a little bit of research, uh, take some initiative, go and find out where are the good academies so that the academies also do well in turn. And... Create players accordingly, so it's a give and take relationship everywhere, and it, the onus is on each and every one in football.
3: Yeah, and it, it that includes clubs as well, right? Um, Absolutely. All the major clubs that we have here, uh, Pune City has a women's team. Aizol Neroka have a women's team. Teams, uh, who else? It's uh, I think Delhi Dynamo uh, are making a women's team. Most of the clubs don't have a women's team, uh, not even a senior team, let alone like under fifteen, under eighteen. And uh, you know, since they are the driving financial driving forces of domestic football, if they don't act, even participate in women's football, that that tells you where the uh, you know problem lies. So we uh, the club licensing system has mandated that they should have an uh, have junior boys' team. Should it? Do you think? Is it your? like this just asking as personal opinion. Should it also include women's football? The club licensing system that you should have a women's senior team, maybe an under 18, under 15 team to begin with.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The that should be it. It is world over in the top countries that are playing football. It is yeah. a mandate for those clubs there. Then why not for our clubs? If we are looking to move in the yeah. same direction as the top countries in football, then we should be doing the right things like they are doing.
1: Yeah. No. We're talking about you know uh, lack of competitive matches. Uh, you know this can be made up. Uh, I I wouldn't uh, go ahead and say can be made up, but uh, th- this is probably the case we've seen with the other national teams uh, that you know, we do go on exposure tours. Now, if there are no competitive matches happening in their own country, we move to other you know uh, tournaments where we participate in and uh, face opponents that can be stronger than us, uh, that can you know, lead us to that competitiveness. Uh, so, we'd just like to get your op- opinion on, you know, can this be, uh, you know, a substitute if there's no competitive matches you know that we play uh, that we don't get in our own country that we you know participate in tournaments and go and uh, play clubs and you know friendly matches in, in a way is that you know beneficial in in any way well it is certainly beneficial but it
2: comes at a cost and the reason why no one is taking initiative is because they don't have the budgets right now to do what is basic so what what we are talking about exposure trips and all those those are second will come next in line where clubs could take that initiative only because they are doing really well in women's football and now they want to go to the next level. Uh, it's certainly a good step, however, uh, we need we need in not only in women's football, we need we need to be sustainable in football itself. Uh, right now, the way a lot of Indian football is run is, people think is sponsorship is the way how football has to be run but that's not a fact if you go down to uk and you see the clubs are sustainable if a sponsorship comes in they are able to do more things but if a, there yeah. is no sponsor they are able to sustain and do their jobs that they had thought of and you know kept in their long term objectives they are able to do all of those things without a sponsor when a sponsor comes in they are able to do more things so this is where our idea about how football should be run is wrong. We need to look at more sustainable football, sustainable clubs, sustainable organizations, you know, so that football can run uh, by itself. It just doesn't need some help from outside. It can run by itself. And then if something comes from outside, that's an added bonus and uh, helps us, uh, you know, go to the next level after that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great point that he brought up and uh, sustainability is, you know, is what uh, has hit so many big clubs in India. And we've seen the fallout going, you know, down... So badly, you know, from such a high number of clubs, you know, we we've talked about the giants of Goa, uh, even even Kolkata. You know, we've seen so many clubs rising, staying there for a long time, but then you know it fades away because you know it's all the sustainability sustainability that comes into the picture. Uh, Chiranjit, uh, I'd like to bring you, yeah, you know, we're talking about uh, sustainability among the big clubs, yeah. and you know if it does not really you know start off from where you know you begin with right from the grassroots take it to the youth take it to the women's and right till uh, your senior national teams now we are heading in the yeah. wrong direction if you're not you know starting the right on the, on the right foot
3: well well at some point at some point the clubs have to uh, step up to a responsibility because you know it it, it doesn't really cost that much to have a under 18 women's team it doesn't i mean if you compare the amount of clothes they spend on uh, uh, you know, a uh, uh, senior men's team or, uh, you know, building an academy. If you're building uh, a residential academy, you know, that you can have a, uh, you know, a host, extra hostel where you, where you keep a women's team. It it doesn't, I mean, even, even I thought if you have a three, four crore budget, uh, how much does a women's, uh, you know, under 18 team cost? I, I, I'll be uh, shocked if it's, uh, you know, much in the north of uh, 25 lakhs. You know, it it doesn't cost that much, and it does not threaten a club's sustainability to have a women's team, Uh, and and that's where we are. We we are not even doing the basics right, and uh, and that's where the uh, you know gap comes in. I mean, when was the last time uh, an Indian professional player had proper uh, you know league matches? Uh, I mean, uh, other than IWL, IWL is is still not up there. I think the last time it was. Uh, Devi and uh, and somebody else who went and played in Maldives, you know. Uh, so it's, it that's we, we land in a, a difficult situation where the players don't even get enough game time. So you have to look at uh, abroad. Uh, to uh, you know maybe some uh, club will take a player and uh, help them develop. Uh. And and even even the men's team has has a similar situation where uh, Stephen Constantine uh, wants to have a US tour or uh, you know take him to Australia, uh, where the clubs can look at the players and maybe pick one or two, you know, and and that will benefit everybody. We can't be in that state forever, uh, and and that's that's the sad part that uh, you know we we're not even getting the big guys who are spending 40 crores or 10 crores uh, on, on a uh, first first team of men uh, to invest uh, 25 or 50 lakhs uh, in women's football. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Coach. Do you, do you see that uh, whole culture of, uh, you know, of, the, of the Giants, East Bengal, Mohan Bagan, or, or many of the ISL teams actually just ignoring uh, women's football altogether? Is, is this a systemic problem uh, that that you see solving on its own
2: Anytime soon No I don't see it solving it by itself See again it is all It comes down to What are the norms, regulations put Because someone has to regulate that If that is yeah. regulated and say, Says that you know This is what you have to do That's, that's when uh, you know These big clubs may uh, Look at it okay this also has to be A part of our plan And uh, so that that is going to be more important because right now uh, th- let's let's be honest that we are not that good at running football itself and if if there are too many things on the plate, they may not know how to take care of it also. so that yeah. that is why they tend to ignore uh, you know the uh, things like women's football and they say let's first do what we are doing right, and then maybe we may look into the other avenues of football. But uh, yeah, so there has to be some regulations, as you said, that every every ISL team has to have a women's team. That's a that's a mandate. That's that's the way. Yeah, they will look in those directions as well and not ignore it.
3: Okay, coach. Uh, the good uh, thing that uh, point that I brought up was uh, you know uh, some foreign clubs maybe uh, picking a couple of uh, our players. Uh, have you have you seen any interest uh, from uh, you know foreign coaches or uh, you know potential uh, clubs uh, when they saw our players uh, play out there in uh, Asian Championship? Do you see that being a, a thing in Indian women's football going forward? That like, uh, we might have a few players who actually develop abroad, you know, thanks to some uh, club recognizing their talent.
2: Uh, well, with uh, I can talk about the team that I was working with and. Uh, yeah when we used to do classroom sessions a uh, part of it was you know uh, we used to work on what is our future so you know uh, the girls the girls used to do I had told them that they need to do their research because i initially when I spoke to them I said what what is your ambition in life so they said to play for India I said very good uh, however if what Professionally you cannot only play for India You have to be playing somewhere else if you want to be a professional player And where do you think you want to end up So they they had no clue about where they should be ending up So I told them that uh, in as of right now what is the Indian scenario is probably You may make about 30,000 Indian rupees a year if you are playing in the top league Is that where you want to right now end So they all said, you know, that is that is not sustainable at all. So I said, exactly. So you need to look at where the top women footballers are playing, okay? Uh, Because you are very young, you have time on hand. This is the time. Because after a few years, you may not have that time. You may not be able to get into the best of universities that would take you in scholarship, uh, best of clubs in that same area that could, uh, you know, uh, make you a professional player. So I told them that you need to do your research and also look at what are the uh, scenarios required or the requisites for the universities and clubs. There could be an exam like a TOEFL and a lot of the girls didn't speak English. So when we used to sit and discuss, uh, I used to ask them what research they have done and then I used to tell them on that research, uh, how could they go ahead. And I'm telling you, a lot of these girls had already started using google and youtube to learn english you know yeah. so it was amazing uh, how they were also looking to make a future in football because a lot of them come from underprivileged backgrounds and if they make it big in football uh, maybe abroad that's that's what our target was when we discussed that most of us should end up abroad because that's that's more sustainable for them rather than playing for a club in india as of today's mm-hmm. situation so that's what we discussed and uh, everyone found a lot of clubs abroad a lot of universities abroad and are doing a lot of research and are now going to be even they told me that uh, we will be sending those clubs and uh, universities emails saying that uh, we are so and so player this is our profile we want to go ahead in football how how can we work together and uh, this this is a this is the first step for these girls and they could change women's football forever if they are able to reach out there to the top clubs.
3: Yeah, and uh, of course, this is this is the time to take action Because now they are like 14, 15 years yeah. old, uh, and uh, they're, they're you know, uh, gearing up for and getting to get into the under-17 level, which is where they have to make a jump. Uh, you know, just coming back to something uh, that might be a bit uncomfortable uh, of an issue for you. Uh, you know, last last night uh, we had uh, Mukhi, uh scoring for Jamshedpur FC, uh, and uh, uh, you know he was touted as the youngest scorer in ISL ever. And uh, we've seen some uh, you know people uh, alleging that yeah, no, he's not really uh, 16 years old. Uh, you know, there's some uh, past incidences that have been cited that he may have had his age. Doesn't take away from the fact that he played well and uh, scored a goal uh, at a senior level football. You know that has nothing to do with age, but that that's a, that's a uh, situation that we have come across time and again. And uh, you know people say almost every junior team out there has uh, overage players. So how what is the uh, procedure to deal with it? I mean, uh, from what I hear is that uh, if if a, if a player comes and presents a passport or another card. That has to be taken as an age proof, right? So how do you tell if there's some uh, you know, age fudging going on? How do you uh, eradicate and what's, what's, the, what's the fix for a problem like this? Because ultimately it hurts entire Indian football, right?
2: So the best thing that AIFF uh, did come out with was the CRS system, okay? Where players yeah. need to get registered and, uh, you know, from a very young age. So it... It won't be very effective right away If we talk about uh, age Because a couple yeah. of them may have First only made certain documents And those are genuine documents Which they could make And we can't really, you know, say It's uh, a false document Because uh, it is government verified So yeah. So we can't At that point of time we cannot do a lot when it uh, For the guys who have already You know, shown a wrong age Uh but yeah. yeah, the first step was CRS, where the players getting registered at a very young age and they don't really cheat at a 6 year, uh, under 6 tournament or under 8 tournament. So once yeah. they get registered there, going in future, they'll not be able to change their age. That's the first step. Yeah. Second step the AIFF has taken now in the youth I leagues is in the under 13 and the under 15 youth I leagues. The TW3 test is mandatory and AIFF will conduct it themselves. So, the clubs will bear the cost, however, AIFF will conduct it for it to be fair, so that, uh, you know, nobody tampers with the reports, and this is a massive step to make sure that there is no age fraud going ahead uh, in the under-13 and under-15 categories, which is, you know, going to actually boost the correct age talent and
1: is is, is really good for our grassroots football. So this has mm-hmm. been already implemented, or this is a plan yeah. for the coming yeah, season?
3: Yeah, it was. Well, I think the recent uh, administrative meeting sort of implemented mm-hmm. this, uh, which which sort of led to some backlash because a lot of clubs were saying like, you know, we just uh, and, and academy teams who participate in those leagues, they said we don't have that kind of money to like pay for uh, thirty uh, you know tests, uh, which are which are very expensive at this point, from uh, what I understand, uh, but. I mean, is, is that uh, even that is not a, like a hundred uh, uh, percent guarantee that it will catch the right age? It, it's, it's like two three years uh, within the margin of error. Is, is it is is that the final solution, or, uh, or or how we can like sort of address this on a larger scale? Like you say, the central registration system. Uh, so is, is this going to be a combination of both going forward, or are we going to have a, a, a in a situation where clubs will be told that if if he's going to take a player at under 15, make sure he's already in the CRS from age eight. Is is, this, is that going to be a thing? Uh, what if somebody is not in the CRS uh, when he's five or six and uh, sort of discovers football later on and just comes in at age 16? And, uh, uh, you know, then then we have that question mark over him. Difficult issue. How do you think, like, it it can go forward from
2: here? Well, I think, uh, you know, if you have not been in football at least till by about 12, it will be very difficult going forward for you to get into football uh, in India. Because now with the mandates coming in, where every Every club Has to participate In the baby leagues Which is under 8 Under 10 Under 12 right. Most of the players 99% of the players Should get registered By that duration yeah. So As I said It's it's a step for the future They have to be registered On CRS And uh, Complemented with that There is The TW3 test Which gives you a Age range of about one and a half year. So even okay. if there is an error, it could be about six months or max to max a year, uh, compared to the age frauds that were happening before were by like five to seven years. <laughs> so, yeah. so it reduces that margin of uh, a huge age fraud and also that players are being registered on the CRS. Ninety nine percent players will be already verified. It will be only that one percent chance. Of an age fraud, and that also would be by about six months to a year, not more than that.
3: Okay, so uh, is it uh, so? It, is, is the CRS system wide enough? Do you think at this point uh, is, is everybody uh, participating in it? Uh, because uh, we just see a lot of the players who come up, are from the more remote, remote uh, you know, uh, areas, built uh, in Jharkhand, in orissa or Manipur. Uh, where you don't like see the uh, systems that are available in city, like uh, you know, uh, being born at a government hospital or, or, or a registered hospital where the birth is immediately registered, stuff like that. Is it is it wide enough to cover the, the whole thing?
2: Uh, yeah, as of right now, the CRS is being a mandate for all all tournaments that are within a district within. Uh, within the state Within uh, all India F- uh, Football Federation's jurisdiction And uh, that is a good thing So every player will have to be registered On the CRS And I think within within 3 years I think that each and every club In a district will also be on the CRS So it, mm. it will happen It will happen certainly And CRS is a very big step and these players, do once they're registered on the system, are also registered with FIFA immediately. So it's, yeah. they're on the worldwide network and can be monitored anywhere in the world.
1: On on the point of you know seeing a lot of uh, good talent, good players coming through the non metros. Now there could be you know some major reason that we are you know uh, facing the lack of uh, talent pooling happening in the metros. Do you think you know that there is something that's holding back, or it's you know it's always been the trend that the non metros are produced the the higher quality players.
2: I think uh, living in the metros, I myself uh, own a club, so. The biggest problem that I have with all of my teams uh, is that uh, I don't see the same 18 faces ever, <laughs> you know, so I, I have like every time I do a tactical session, uh, there is always a different face and the team has never understood what they have to do tactically and that becomes a big problem because in in metros life is too competitive even for kids. They have to go for ten classes. They have to come for football classes. They have so much of study pressure. The travel time is way too much because of the traffic. So it becomes very difficult in a metro for kids to attend practice regularly. And also, grounds is a big issue. Uh, in at least in Mumbai, for us, getting a ground is so difficult. You know, uh, be, and because there are three four grounds which are 11 aside, they are booked by everybody. And uh, mm. then getting the ground is so difficult uh, And when we get the ground Getting the kids is so difficult So there are a lot of problems in the metros Which we need to sort out We need to come up with solutions That would work for all the clubs together You know And that that would be the next step To making sure that the players from the metros Are developing well yeah. you
1: know,
3: uh, 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 Coach, just carrying forward on that point There seems to be a huge gap in terms of talent development in certain areas of the country like uh, you look at if you if you're talking about three states who have been really big in indian football or have, have produced a huge number of uh, players uh, over the past few decades you're going to mention west bengal goa and kerala
1: yeah
3: right and uh, you're forgetting you manipur you team yeah, you look at your team i don't think there's a single uh, player from those three states so it just seems like do you you have you have such huge infrastructure there for players to come up, uh, which is which works for the men, but they they just don't develop women's players at all. I mean, they, they're just almost non-existent in the in the women's football map. What is do you think this is, uh, you know, affecting uh, Indian women's football as a whole? It's not letting us uh, reach the full potential. And how do you how do you make these, you know, people realize that they have to. I just
2: just work with women's football as well no? as, as I said There will have to be some norms and regulations Put in place for yeah. that You know so uh, I wouldn't know what exactly are the problems Out there uh, Maybe if I visit and speak to those associations I get that opportunity yeah. Then I could probably look into that And we could see what are the solutions To those problems And uh, have women's football develop all over the country and give it its uh, due credit that it deserves. Uh, as of right now, all we could uh, hope is that, you know, there are certain norms and regulations and mandates put on the state associations, districts, clubs, so that, you know, the uh, they start developing women's football.
1: Coach, you've been to the UK, you know, it just struck struck me over, you know, we're talking about grassroots, we're talking about football at a young age, you know, not having those consistent uh, players or students, you know, continuing what they they begin with and you know, not having the support. Now, where do you think we can draw the line, you know, where at least we we'll draw, draw some inspiration from, you know, a, a developed nation that's going, progressing strongly in the grassroots, you know? It's this one problem is that, you know, we don't have, you know, uh, parents pushing uh, players enough. You know, probably, you know, we we are lacking with with the education that the parents are receiving. You know, they have no clue if a child, you know, enrolls in a particular sport. uh, There's, you know, a way forward for them. If I think if there's a pathway for the parents to know if the child at six enrolls in a sport or we're talking about football, No. Continuing that till the age of 12 where you head on to the uh, the youth leagues. Now, probably is that the missing piece where we, you know, the missing out on players. Uh, at least, you know, gaining those, the, the big pool of uh, players from the grassroots. And then, you know, it also helps solve the problem when you have players playing from the age of 6, 7. You have them registered with the CRS, you know. The players are there in the system you know if you 've started off say with a massive uh, big pool you know, by the time they are twelve, you at least get to know you know they 've played so many matches you know they 've got the touches right they 've got you know competitive matches under the belt you Now probably this is where you know we can you know, draw some inspiration from from the you know at least the developed nations
2: uh certainly now, what happens is uh, parents generally go behind the big brand rather than uh, ...really finding out what is... ...how will their kid develop as a player... ...what is going to be his exit path... Uh, ...what is the requisite... ...like FIFA says 35 to 45... ...competitive matches... ...you know... ...and competitive means... ...a proper recognized tournament... ...so all of these things... uh, ...you know have to... ...the parents need to be doing a bit of a research... uh, ...doing their research and... ...then putting their kid into an academy... ...because... At least talking about in Mumbai, there is there, there are close to about 400 academies. All right. From which uh, right. I would say now how many of them have applied for an AIFF accreditation or a VIFA a accreditation? Okay. Uh, maximum of maybe 20 clubs. Okay. Yeah. So which are proper academies. Now these 20 clubs are investing in the kids... Uh, Making sure they have proper exit paths and everything is done legally the right way, and uh, this exit path will certainly help them because if you go through an academy that's not accredited, not playing the top, that's the youth I league, your kid is never going to go up the ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is what uh, parents need to realize, and I I do believe that uh, uh, there need to be a lot of workshops. In schools To educate parents You know What is the way forward in football So Once they know uh, They can choose the right academies They can choose the right kind of training They can ask the right kind of questions Because Nobody is asking the right questions They are They see a very big brand They put their kid over there The The brand may be really big However the coach is A community coach uh, f- From from abroad, He's a community coach who whose job is to just go and play fun games with the people of the community and not really coach football. You know, so parents need to look into such things because they think, oh, a big Spanish or a big UK brand has come into the country and a coach who's coming from there will obviously be a great coach. That's, that's not a necessity. We need to ask, what is his qualification? What is his experience? How many... Uh, top players had ever trained under him or what what did he achieve in in his coaching career we need to ask these questions parents are not asking these questions they blindly follow a big brand and put their kid there and four or five years down the line they realize that my kid is not playing at the highest level and kids in these proper academies are playing at a good level so this is what is lacking as i said education for even even coaches even for parents even for everyone in football education is lacking and we are ignorant to the education in football
1: yeah i think that's you know precisely the point that uh, you made to the girls uh, the under 15 girls as well you know um, had they been known about this they could have been better prepared you know yeah. it just helps out you know planning your professional career that way
3: yeah yeah, coach. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for the you know great uh, job you've done with the uh, under fifteen uh, women's uh, team and uh, the way uh, you know we we are slowly building up uh, towards the you know next level, uh, which I think is the 2020 uh, under seventeen World Cup. Or uh, is how how do you think India's? Chances, you know, going into those qualifiers I think they'll be coming up next year, right So, uh, what what are the extra steps that you are taking to, you know uh, Ensure that uh, we do better there than we have done in, uh, in the AFC uh, qualifiers And uh, what's your hopes?
2: The World Cup qualifiers, basically the Asia Cup itself The AFC Under-16 oh.
3: Championship
2: uh, behaves as the World Cup qualifiers And the top three teams from it qualify for the World Cup So this was the world uh, cup qualifier as well for us
3: okay so, uh, so but but this squad will be moving on to the under 16 and under 17 level and you will be staying with the same squad or will you take on the next batch of under 15 players
2: well in in football nothing is for ever so we don't know what uh, what is going to happen tomorrow uh, however uh, we'll stay positive and we are making our plans and discussing i'm going to be meeting the technical director, uh, and discuss what what are my views and opinions. I do think, yeah, like uh, we did in the boys, and uh, the results showed with uh, uh, with Bibiano's team where they uh, narrowly missed out on a World Cup spot. I think we should do the same with the girls, and uh, you know uh, by keeping them together. And yes, when whenever there is better talent, they will be included. Uh, in the team no one can stop talent uh, at its right uh, place So yes, there there will be discussions uh, But at this point of time I am not very clear about uh, what is going to be the plan But yeah, we I will discuss and uh, put my opinions down on the table And let's see how it goes ahead Okay
3: coach, thanks a lot yeah. for clearing all the doubts And uh, giving us all the insights on uh, the, how the team is developing for the future yeah, yeah coach thank I, you.
1: I would like to take one message from you for that one girl who's looking up you know to uh, the under 15 champions of the SAF uh, SAF Cup uh, you know, trying to you know vying uh, that spot over there in the under 15 team you know she's probably uh, 7 or 8 years old right now you know what message would you have to give to that girl
2: well I'll tell you actually uh on Facebook, there were a couple of parents who said, "My kids uh, are seven, eight year olds, and we want we want them to play like your girls." They they did do a great job, and I told this to our team. I told the girls this, uh, you know, and it means almost all of us had tears and eyes, feeling so proud that, you know, back home there were that we were inspiring girls to be footballers, uh, and. Uh, the message to every every kid out there is you know they got to be they got to be doing following their dream if it is football then you got to be giving your 100% and it's never going to be easy there's always going to be a thousand hurdles uh, like i say there's always going to be a thousand hurdles and uh, the step is we play always to win you know because a lot of time people say you play to participate no you play to win okay you have participated is a great thing you play to win at the end of the game you accept the result yeah okay that that is what sport is all about and it teaches you that when these thousand hurdles come you have to get past them very efficiently okay because uh, you could walk and finish a race uh, but the aim of the race is not to walk and finish it you have to jump past those hurdles and jump at a good pace and uh, this is how we always have to be in life. All right, things and things could always go wrong. We could always lose a race, but that is uh, that is the process of life where you know failure is a stepping stone to success. So we have to, we all have to strive to follow our dreams, you know, and make sure we give it our hundred percent every time we are on that field. We give it a hundred percent and try to always play competitive and win. And whatever happens in the game, accept it, learn from it and go on to make sure that you don't repeat those mistakes and get better the next time.
1: I, th- I think that's super inspiring. That just pumps me up, you know, just uh, wants me to get back to where I'm coaching the grassroots. And uh, great. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Coach Furman. And we we wish you all the best and we wish you uh, may your dream come true. You know, may India play in the World Cup soon. And uh, that's all our hope. Uh, that's I think uh, most of uh, everybody's you know, aim and ambition to see India at the World Cup in some level thank you so much again for joining us Chiranjeet thanks you once again and uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube do not forget to like share subscribe IVM podcast app is what you want to download for awesome shows like the TFG podcast it's available on Android and iOS platforms you can also listen to this podcast on uh, the IVM website and also SoundCloud is uh, the platform where you can listen to this awesome podcast uh, come back to us next week uh, with another dose of Indian football till then have a great week enjoy us
0: every week comes a show where three people come together to tell you about stuff they like a movie a tv show a book and other stuff Tune in every Monday on the IVM Podcast app to IVM Likes. Batman approves this message. Thank you, Batman. Long, long ago, not in Bethlehem, but in a place nearby, there was a wonderful birth of a huge show, which I like to call Cyrus Says. A show that encapsulates everything in human history from the first homo sapien to the last homo sapien, uh, who's traversed the entire world and then come back to India. This is a show which tells you everything about everything. If you want to know, avoid Google, come to us. It's called Cyrus Says. Get new episodes every Monday and Thursday on the IVM Podcast app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's simple as A, B, oh God, what comes up to that?